This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? You know, not too much. It's just they've left us in charge this week, so this is like the normie cast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a lot about like grilling and uh, hanging out on our patios. On yeah. A lot about patios. I feel like I should have recorded this out on my patio, but it's 40 degrees out. So it's a chilly night in the Appalachian Mountains for me. How have you been, dude? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I was telling you before, I'm afraid I'm getting a little sick, uh, but I've got enough voice left to do this podcast. So that's all that really matters. Thankfully, because I don't know if Voices of Wrestling listeners need another solo podcast from me this week. Yeah. I know you've already dropped the open the voice gate and uh, you've been fighting a little bit of a of a throat thing, right? Dude, I've been sick off and on since <laughs> December and oh. I'm really hoping that I've kicked it for good. And it's just a thing like I'm someone that I have very severe allergies and yeah. we've had with the whole polar vortex that was coming through a couple of weeks ago, like it killed me and then it was up to 70 for a couple of days and then it was back now down to the 40s. So I, I'm in hell. I live in hell. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. South Carolina, so it's kind of hellish to begin with. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, so uh, Nate is not with us. Uh, I'm going to stop mentioning Aaron Taub until he comes back on this show again. <laughs> uh, he, he is uh, excommunicated. He's on uh, assignment. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll start saying. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the show. You can either subscribe to the full Voices of Wrestling podcast network, or you can just subscribe to Everything Elite if you just want to make sure you're getting all the news about AEW each week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car, and Mike is at Fuji Heya with two eyes. And I'm not plugging everybody else because they're not here. <laughs> How I feel? Hey, show up, you get your plug. That's right. That's right. We're going to talk uh, about Double or Nothing, of course, and uh, ticket sales. We're going to talk about a rumored 2019 schedule for AEW. We got some talent rumors, and of course, we're going to get into BTE. Uh, I think the place to start, though, is Double or Nothing sells out. It was about 26 minutes into the pre-sale, and then four minutes after the general on sale that uh, all the tickets were gone. Mike, mm -hmm. you grabbed at least two tickets, right? Yeah, I only managed to grab two during the pre-sale. Like, apparently, demand for even the pre-sale was incredible. I know Dave Meltzer was saying that the pre-sale indications were that they could have had up to 45,000, which probably not realistic, but right. you know, but it was, it was not a fun purchase like doing that. Like I'm used to either the PWG model of, okay, as soon as it goes on sale, reload the page as much as possible and get it into your cart or the old school ticket master where you stand in line. And to be honest, for my personal tastes, I would have rather have had it be one or the other because they just, they have like this gimmick where they they you log on to the site and they randomly put you in groups. So you could be the last person to log on to the site but still get a chance to buy your tickets first. Hmm. Which I don't know. That maybe that this is all for fairness or like this, but like a meritocracy of, you know, show up when you need it. if you want to get tickets, find a way to get tickets. But right. but the nice thing about that I was kind of surprised was that I was not at all in. I know that y'all were but the prices seem to be comparable to all in at least so i like that aspect that they're not doing how some of the promotions have been over wrestlemania weekend so far and just taking the exclusivity and the small amount and the amount of tickets and charging a whole lot of money so i'm pretty happy with that but yeah i managed to get two tickets lower bowl which i'm pretty happy with and oh, nice yeah I, I was actually stunned just because i was fearing that i'd be up in the rafters but yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited about it. And it's interesting to see the reaction that came out of this, Aaron. You know, it's Twitter and just like discourse about all sure. wrestling and the complaints about this show have been kind of ridiculous to say, to put it lightly, at least in my mind. Yeah, so there was all this talk after All In sold out, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, basically it was, well, anybody can sell out 10,000 tickets for a one-off show which I'm not sure that that's true, but there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, well, scalpers bought up all the tickets. It wasn't actual ticket demand. And I think, in my mind at least, they've killed both of those. Because one, 
it's a two off, so it can't be a one off anymore. Uh, and two, you know, they, they did implement some things to try to fight the scalping issue, but I also just don't care about that. Like, does it really matter? I never hear this discourse with any other types of tickets. Like if somebody else is, if NBA teams are selling out games, concerts are selling out. I never hear somebody saying, well, is that really a sellout if scalpers bought a bunch of the tickets? I mean, to me, the tickets went on sale. They were sold. They did it. I don't know what to tell you. These guys have now sold out two shows with over 10,000 seats. I don't see how we can do anything but be impressed and think that this, at least for now, looks like it's a successful venture. Right. And with it being in Vegas, was always the thing about how hotels and resorts will hold back tickets, hold back tickets. There was no talk about this for this uh, for the show. I mean, there were the packages that I guess Conrad Thompson were involved in. So who knows how uh, how squeaky clean those are and how much of that's going in Conrad Thompson's pocket. But you know, like when you talk about UFC, like if you're like a high roller in Vegas, usually your hotel will comp these shows. And there was no talks about this whatsoever. And something else that I kind of want to talk about where people saying, oh, it's a flyout promotion. Of course, it's a flyout promotion right now. They don't have a regular tour yet. They don't have a TV contract announced yet. Like apparently they're getting further along with that. And they've announced the schedule for, or at least the, the rumored schedule has kind of been announced for the remainder of 2019 until weekly TV is supposed to start. So I, I think a lot of people have tried, have started to put their own opinions of the people involved here and, and have lost all, all aspects of subjectivity. And I feel like that that, kind of bias like people are either within their own bubble or they're naturally predisposed to be against either Cody the Bucks or now Kenny Omega and they're just trying to find anything they can to try to get their pound of flesh out of the promotion when by all like meaningful measures this has been an enormous success I mean before all in it was 20 years since there was a non-WWE promotion that sold 10,000 tickets and now we have a promotion that sold upwards of twelve to 14,000 on its second show. That's showing growth. So people are going to just complain, I feel like. I, I feel like that's going to be an aspect of all elite wrestling going forward is just people who are predisposed to dislike these people so that they're just going to be negative towards them regardless. Yeah, there's always been people who hated the Bucks, who hated Kenny, uh, hated Cody. And now you add that people are looking at them as some sort of alternative to WWE that's going to fire up the uh, the Fed Defense Squad, and there's just going to be a lot of just people running their mouths when it's not really based in anything. So I, I did want to go back to the, the ticket prices. Uh, I don't have the all-in ticket prices handy. I should have done that. Uh, but for this show, the lowest level tickets were – I'm going to round all these up because they're all weird in sense. I'm not really sure why. Uh, 37 bucks for your your lowest price. Uh, 70 bucks is the next tier. And the 37 bucks are pretty much all up in the second uh, level, although there are some on the first level. The $70 tickets uh, are pretty evenly mixed. You got some up in the second level, but they are straight onto the ring. And then some that are down on the lower level, but they are, um, you know, across from the entrance ramp. So that's like you're back there. Uh, then we got $102 tickets that are your sides in the lower bowl, $157 tickets that are center uh, in the lower bowl, and then a few at ringside. Uh, $179 tickets that look like they are, what, fourth and fifth row uh, at ringside. Yeah. And then $211 to be in the first three rows. So I think the $37 ticket is the most amazing part to me. These mm -hmm. are good seats. Yeah, especially at this arena. I mean, the MGM Grand Garden Arena is, was made basically for combat sports. It was made for boxing. So it's not done like, I've gone to a lot of things at the old Charlotte Coliseum back when the Hornets were there originally. Right. And that was a stadium that was nearly vertical. So you'd be in the bowl, but you'd be so high up. However, for this, this is a more flat bowl. So it's less of an incline. So $37 seats. Yes, you're up in the second level, but you're probably lower than you are at a lot of other venues. And you mentioned the $70 tickets. 
that's how I ended. I ended up with seventy dollars tickets, and I saw what section and what row I was in. I was like, this is really seventy dollars. I mean, I remember when WWE shows would come to town, and that would be seventy dollars would be the ones up in the rafters, just because of how they price things. So I think there has to be either some kudos given for for at least trying to get the fans in or at least cutting a good deal in Las Vegas when now there is the hockey arena and that's where everything everyone now has shows at. So, I mean, I, I think this was like a great design choice. I, it looks like that, at least from the seat map, they have some production kills that might be opened up. That's a term used for where you put your hard cam, where you have people rigging lights and control boards. So you, they, they didn't lose too many seats with that. So, I mean, we're really looking at, close to twelve to 14,000 seats. And with ticket prices, I mean, $200 for a ringside, that's fair. You know, that's not gouging at all in my mind. And I'm the first person to, to criti- who would criticize if it seemed like it was going to be, oh, $500 for a ringside seat for this. Okay, guys, that's ridiculous. But I feel like this was a pretty fair price gate, at least for this show. It seems like a pretty fair pricing. Yeah, because, I, you know, I'm thinking back to the... Madison Square Garden tickets. Yeah. Which is, you know, maybe the talent level isn't uh, exactly the same because you are getting also the New Japan talent if the visas work out. Uh, But I know, you know, ringside there was over $300 a piece. So this is a pretty good deal. Uh, You know, the, the Bucks were talking on Twitter about that they were taking into account that hotels and flights were going to be more expensive because of the holiday weekend. Uh, and I think I think they hit it to be able to get in the building for 37 bucks is crazy. It really is. I mean, that's a great price. And uh, like you said, I saw somebody post a picture from inside the building and it is so flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have a great seat no matter where you are. And I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, pump up the the all elite guys. If this seat map sucked, I'd be the first guy to say it. You know, I, I just sure. I just think they did a good job on this one. Yeah. And. The other aspect is that when you're talking about the week, the the weekend that it's happening, it's happening on Memorial Day weekend. I've already started to look up prices for hotels and I'm like, okay, now I see why they've lowered this because if you're trying to stay at the MGM Grand, like the lowest price per night is $250. So that that they understand like what they're trying to do. And maybe when we get it talking about like the other schedule that's going up that's going on until October, maybe the prices come up a little bit more as they're going to see, okay, this isn't a holiday weekend. We can balance this out this way. So, you know, but yeah, I'm stoked to for the arena. I've been making my plans and I think I'm excited about it, especially now with how the road to road to double or nothing. And then the confirmed matches, this looks like it's there. We're starting to already get a good solid card before tickets even went on sale. Yeah. So we learned, uh, one, I guess, new match in the Road to Double or Nothing YouTube series uh, this week, the third episode. Um, this was this is an interesting series, I believe. And I think you are a perfect guy to talk about this, honestly, just from like a production standpoint. Yeah. But this is so much different than being the elite. Oh, absolutely. Just like the production values are completely different. Like being the elite is mostly filmed on one of the Bucks cell phones, like there's a couple times you could tell that it's someone else's cell phone or they might be using a better camera. But this one, I don't want to say there's a lot of gloss on it, but it feels a lot like the old uh, UFC, the UFC shows that they would have on YouTube leading up to UFC events. And even we got to see like behind the state, behind the scenes stuff for the ticket rally. We got to see like all the pre-production that went in there during like a segment. And then they, they did, they do things like, okay, we're going to have people do voiceovers as we're doing like crowd shots, which you'll never see on a being the elite. And at the same time, it's like that we're going to go and talk to a lot of crowd, a lot of the crowd and a lot of fans. It's just, it has a complete different sheen on it that I like a whole lot. Yeah. And the look of the shots, like uh Brandy at one point is on the phone with Britt Baker and it's, you know, appears to be in Brandy and Cody's kitchen. And it's just this, it's really a gorgeous uh, shot. And then when you have later in the show, when, or in the episode, Brandy and Cody talking um, at their house uh, about the card a little bit. It's just the lighting is really nice. It's obviously well shot. It's just professionally done. You know, it doesn't look like it was shot on an iPhone. 
Yeah, and it one of my big worries about this promotion, at least in the beginning, was that being the elite, it was always something that I enjoyed it for what it was, but the production quality wasn't ever going to be like something to call home about. And building up a new promotion, you have to get stuff like production trucks. You have to get broadcast cameras because the difference between broadcast cameras and the cameras that you see at a lot of indie shows are multiples of 10s to 50s. So like there was a lot of infrastructure that they put in place. And this already shows that at the very least, they have some of it already, which is in my mind, encouraging going forward. So the news that came out of uh, the road to double or nothing, and I, and I just want to say, you should watch these episodes there. This one was like six minutes long. So, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. And uh, again, they are completely different from being the elite. So if there's, I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you really hated being the elite, but if you do, this is not like that. So uh, you, you'll get something out of this. The biggest match that came out of this, the only match that came out of it, uh, there's a shot where, or a, a segment where Cody is bringing to Brandy the some little printed cards that show some of the matches. They got the headshots of the wrestlers. And one of them that he hands her is Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray. So the interesting thing from that was that at the uh, ticket announcement party, it appeared that they were building to Nyla versus Kylie as the match. It's kind of what it looked like. Of course, there must have been a scheduling issue why Britt Baker couldn't be there at all. So they do a little segment where Britt calls Brandy and says, hey, it's like I kind of got left out of uh, of the show or of the, the ticket announcement party, at least. And Brandy's like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm working on something. So they're going to do this three way. Uh, the other interesting part of news about this was that Cody mentioned that Brandy was leaving herself off the card. So Brandy will not be wrestling at double or nothing, which I think is interesting. Uh the other big news was uh, this wasn't really big news, but we see a card of Cody in a singles match, but his opponent is blurred out uh, and Brandy makes a big deal like, oh, are you going to work this out without talking to me? You know, so they're really playing up that this is uh, an interesting opponent for for Cody. So let's start with the three way, Mike. What do you think about uh, working this as a three way instead of the singles match or just what are your thoughts on this match generally? I think that this was a really cool way of building up this three-way. I mean, I don't know if Britt Baker was internationally or just was not available. I know that she just got her doctor in dental medicine. So maybe maybe she was at work as a dentist. That's never been cleared up if she actually is a practicing dentist now. And that's oddly something I want to know. I want to yeah. know like if she actually has a have an office. But I really like how this is kind of built up. And you had Britt Baker doing the call and saying like, hey, you're not leaving me off this. So that kind of gives her a little bit of motivation there. And of course, with Nyla and Kyrie, Kylie, they did a good job of kind of immediately showing the rivalry between those two. And do you know if uh, Brandy is still injured? I know she had a plate put into her shoulder after what happened in stardom. Like, is she still physically out? I know that she appeared at Final Battle and like did a spot, but I didn't know if she actually is wrestling now. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but the way they played it in this video, at least, was yeah. that she was choosing not to not to work. Mm -hmm. uh, that she needed to focus on the women's division and and the card, and it she couldn't also focus on wrestling and doing that. It would be pretty easy to just say like, you know, I'm injured, so I'm not going to be able to work. So yeah. I'm assuming that she. I mean, maybe at least by May she would have been okay, but mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. Yeah, and the thing with Cody and the tease. They, they managed to blur it to right to the amount that people can immediately speculate on who it is, especially with all the other rumors that have been out here. And it's interesting to me that after the big deal was made about Jimmy Havoc last week, there's been no mention of Jimmy Havoc on anything since. So it's clear that Jimmy Havoc isn't the person going against Cody Rhodes. And I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. But it, it's interesting that the person that was kind of rumored this week that, was, that Jericho kind of teased, did somewhat look like the blurred person, but they did blur, blur it too much so that we can't like say, oh, it's definitely Batista. You know, it, it's it's interesting. And I do, I, I saw this on Twitter and I forgot who said it, but do you remember Cody's list that he made when he first went out to the Indies that had all these people on it? Someone made a joke of, oh, is Pat Buck finally getting off the list here? <laughs> and I thought that would be funny if that was the uh -huh. case. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'm going with the assumption that it's gold dust until proven otherwise. Sure. Uh, and there wasn't really nothing stuck out to me from the blurry photo that was like, oh, that's clearly gold dust. Um, mm -hmm. I don't even know if he could work as gold dust. I assume not. Um, yeah, he doesn't have the the trademark. I think I, I never saw him do anything as gold dust when he was out at WWE during those times. Right. So. And when he went to TNA, they did a totally different gimmick. So I'm guessing he would just uh, he would just have to work as Dustin. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh, they could mm -hmm. do Dustin versus. Dustin. There we go. The, <laughs> I, I mean, that, I, I wonder what Chuck Taylor would have to say to Dustin Rhodes backstage. Like, wow. like these are things I'm interested in. Like, now that the best friends are involved, now I guess we're going to have a uh, popping dogs and talking hogs with Pop. Oh, that's like, right. Well, and imagine Shima sitting down with those two. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So there's all kinds of things that could happen with this, but it, you know, I feel like they're going to keep on teasing this out with Cody at least for the next few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being something that happens leading up to Easter or later, just because they don't really need to say who he's facing it because they're not trying to sell any more seats. The only reason you would is to build up hype. So why not just string it along further until they really feel like they need to announce it, and especially since the rest of the card. I mean. There's five matches now officially announced. We're at a point now where how many more matches are going to be added to this card? So why not like keep this teased out, do whatever kind of match you're going to have, because you still have MJF off the card. You still have the best friends, as we were kind of joking about before, off the card. And we still have Jungle Boy off the card as well. So, I mean, there's still a lot of people that we assume are going to be, that have either signed or look like they are signing with the promotion that have not, appeared on the any like sort of match it match lists yet yeah and that's interesting to me because i don't think i made this up i think at some point they talked about how they didn't want to have a 12 match card and you know they wanted to keep these to like three hour shows you mm -hmm. know so uh, we'll see but what what i guess i wonder is so that there are five matches announced we've got omega versus jericho the bucks versus the lucha brothers uh, scu versus owe Pac versus Hangman Adam Page, and then Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray. So did they announce, I feel like they've gone quickly. So what I'm wondering is, did they announce all these matches this quickly because they knew they needed to sell tickets and they had some concern, some apprehension about making sure they could sell this out. So they gave us these four big matches before this women's three-way. Uh, and so now they can slow down and stop pushing out the matches so quickly. But if that's true, you still got to balance pushing out the matches slowly with building up the buzz uh, as we get closer to the show. Oh, totally. And that's something that last week's Road to Double or Nothing, I feel like did a great job of because you already had the sit-down interview with Adam Page talking about him versus Pac. So I, I do think you're, you're right, AB, talking about we want to have matches out there to get people there, like making Joe Lanes's of the world happy of buying buying tickets to a show before matches are announced. No, now we know at least I, what I assume two of the big, three of the big like top matches, one of them being built up. And I mean, I'm assuming SEU versus OWE is going to be, if not the opener, one of the opening matches on the card, just because there's been some dark Twitter rumblings about who Shima's bringing to Las Vegas. And the rumor I have heard is that it's not looking like it's going to be Stronghearts guys. And with the video that happened in Las Vegas, which was the OWE sizzle reel, where it was all the native Chinese wrestlers, it's seeming like it's going to be Shima and two of his students. So you're not going to put them like after intermission. I'm assuming there's not going to be intermission, but not in the top half of the card. So I think it's interesting now that we're getting to a point where now they could start doing more different ways to build a pipe for the show. Now that these tickets are all sold and that most of the matches seem to be in place. Folks, that was a little OWE uh, nib niblet. I don't know. I can't come up with a good word there. Uh, a, a little amuse-bouche, I guess, you know, like the little <laughs> spoon with like the sorbet, like that, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. And you're only, you're only going to get those right here on everything elite. So I'm just saying, make sure you're keeping a little ear up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's going to be double or nothing. Uh, but there was a rumor or a report out 
from Russell Talks Andy Datsun, who I don't know, so I can't speak to um, you know any confidence that I might have in him. But he reported on a an alleged schedule for AEW for the rest of the year. So May 25, we get double or nothing. And then basically we would see monthly big shows. So in June, uh, an unspecified show that would apparently be in the United States. In July, the show in Jacksonville that they talked about at the first presser, where some of the proceeds would go to uh, help victims of gun violence. An August show at Royal Albert Hall in London, which I think is fascinating. And uh, important to note here that at least according to Google, the capacity for Royal Albert Hall is 5,267 seats. So scaling back a little bit uh, to go overseas and because you're going to be doing monthly shows, September they would do All Out, which would be the kind of official uh, sequel to All In. Of course, it happened September of last year and would likely take place in the Sears Center in Chicago again and would lead up to October when weekly television is rumored to begin. So what jumps out at you from that schedule, Mike? Well, I, I think initially the idea of doing monthly shows, just right off the bat, I think that's probably the smartest way for them to maintain buzz with new promotions that have been built up, like Dragon Gate USA. One of the big problems they had was that they would go months without shows and then have a weekend of shows and then months without shows and then weekends of shows. So having one show a month in these venues seems to be pretty... I think it's pretty smart and uh, going to London, that's very, that's showing a lot of balls. I feel like for a lack of better words, just because that's, that will be their If you want to include all in as part of their Canon, that'll be their fifth show and they're already going overseas for it. And they're going to a 5,000 seat building, which at least with how European wrestling is not very many promotions attempt things that are larger than 1500 fans. So starting off at Royal Albert Hall, I feel like that that's kind of remarkable. I did do a little bit of research on venues inside the Jacksonville area, just because I just wanted to see like, okay, what can we expect seeing that the MGM Grand Garden Arena is 14,000. They got 10,000 in the Sears Center, and it's about 5,000 at Royal Albert Hall. And there's all kinds of different venues going from like very small NCAA basketball teams that have 2,000 people up to assumingly like a 12,000 seat arena. So they have a lot of options here, but so I think it's gonna be interesting to see if they're gonna be sticking with like the 5,000 seats that they're gonna do at Royal Albert Hall, or if they're gonna try to say, okay, this is overseas, so we're gonna scale it down more, but we're gonna still have 12,000 more in Jacksonville. And where are they gonna run in June? Like that's something that really surprised me because I was, because we were on the assumption that Jacksonville would be the next show, but it's interesting because they already have Chicago. They have already had Las Vegas. And of course, Jacksonville is their kind of spiritual home. So I, I'm guessing like, AB, where do you think they might go to? Do you think they might try for the Northeast? That is the part of the country that they will not have been to with this. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they are going to have to run smaller venues. I, I don't think they can sell out. I mean, if they prove me wrong, good on them. I don't think they can sell 12,000 seats a month. I just don't. No, no, yeah. Because like you said earlier, this is a flyout promotion at this point. So it's everybody, uh, you know, who is happy to fly out to Mania, fly out to wherever for shows is showing up. But when you're trying to keep a monthly audience, uh, that's tough. You know, that's like <laughs> stuff that WCW and WWE did that they built up with television and they built up with house shows, you know, and and obviously AEW is coming in without any of that. So I guess the Northeast would make uh, a lot of sense uh, in that time frame. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I guess they're not running TIAA Bank Field in. Uh, no. <laughs> I can't imagine, especially especially in August or before football season. Do you, can you imagine Shad Khan being like, hey, we just put down new turf, come out here? And I think that's also around the time of the annual Georgia Florida college football game, the world's biggest cocktail party. So I. Yeah, it's interesting though. I guess they could do Pacific Northwest as well. I mean, go go up in that yeah. area. I did see a tweet from like the Cow Palace about about uh, about Double or Nothing, but I mean that's mm. two shows in the West Coast back to back months. I guess so. Right. It's interesting though, because like as you said, like 
WCW and WWE spent decades building up their operation. This is kind of like a six month rollout, like all, all systems go like new Japan and the United States went 2000, 2000, then they went to 4,000 and then up to the Cal palace. And then now back to 900 to 2000. So them running, if they were able to run five months with the exception of Royal Albert hall of monthly 10,000 seat, shows i mean that has to be something very encouraging when tv starts up because we still have no idea one what their broadcast rights are going to be or two how often like i, don't, I can't imagine they're gonna do a weekly live show i have to imagine they'll be doing tapings at least to start so it's interesting yeah, yeah my understanding is that they are going to be tapings mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is smart the august show is at least smart in that they're leaving the country because i think september is going I mean, obviously they need to sell 10, 11,000 seats in September. Mm-hmm. So, and not everybody's going to want to fly somewhere in August and then fly out to Chicago for September for that show. So I'll be interested to see, A, how many seats can they fill, fill on these monthly shows? And B, can they sell out 10, 11, 12,000 seats in the Sears Center again when they've had, you know, three shows already in the last four months right. in the United States? It, it, it's... It's bold. This is a lot more bold than I was expecting them to go. I thought we might get the Jacksonville show and then TV, but now there's like a full schedule now. And I mean, they it's they are putting their money where their mouth is. So yeah, I was expecting quarterly shows, mm-hmm. uh, but here we go. So. Yeah. All right. Well, some of this could be helped with a few of the rumors that we've been hearing. Uh, there was a rumor that WWE is trying to sign. Dave Batista for a WrestleMania 35 match, but that AEW has also reached out to him and is interested. And uh, Jericho, of course, in all his uh, trolling nature, posted a picture with Batista. I guess they were hanging out. And uh, obviously, it'd be a lot easier to sell tickets uh, if they start if they bring in a guy like Batista. Uh, of course, we're going to talk a little bit later. If they bring a guy in like Bill Goldberg for a shot, uh, I feel like they're going to have to spice things up in these shows. You know, they can't run. I don't think they can just run Kenny and the Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers every month and draw, uh, you know, five to 10,000 people. So they're going to have to drop little little things in. Right. And that's something also that we that that's worth talking about with these monthly shows. Like Batista is now one of the the... 20 biggest stars in the world, at least movie wise. And the way that he left WWE, at least most recent time did not seem like it was a very positive Vince McMahon saying, Hey pal, we'll see you again soon. Like there was some consternation about the guardians of the galaxy movie and the fact that he wasn't getting any sort of promotion with that. And then it ended up making an ungodly amount of money. So I I feel like getting Batista in, I mean, even for like a one shot deal, you know, come in there, he shows up to all out. I think that's a, I mean, I think that that's a smart move there. And then especially if you have Goldberg, especially in the Southeast, like Jacksonville, I mean, that's not that far from Atlanta. And then you're talking hard WCW country. So getting people like this, and it also makes you wonder about if they're doing stars like this, there's not really the kind of star of that level that exists in European wrestling, but maybe we see more Eurocentric stars for the Royal Albert Hall show. So I think it's interesting. And I love that Jericho basically is now decided, oh, Vince didn't pay me my money. I'm going to troll him at every opportunity and I'm going to live my best life. And I'm going to look like I have hair plugs because I'm convinced he had hair plugs. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, well, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to book Batista for a 2000 seat building, right? Like that would be, they can fill a 2000 seat building. Yeah, no problem. Uh, So, and he could work WrestleMania 35 and then not work again until all out if he wanted to do that, you know? So I think all that's interesting. You're right about the Euro stars. I guess Jimmy Havoc is really the only European guy they've signed, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there hasn't been as many rumors about from the Euro side because... I mean, the Bucks have been doing the Bucks and the Elite have been doing stuff over in the UK for a while. They haven't done as much yeah. stuff in Germany, but I mean, I remember seeing, I guess, two or three years ago, them doing their own tours of 
European, at least, uh, companies in the United Kingdom and Ireland. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I know Kaylee Ray was one of the people that they were talking about initially before it looked like the WWE swooped in. So, you know, maybe the 5,000 seat idea at Royal Albert Hall it makes sense, though. So it's interesting. Like, I really, it strikes me that we'll see if I'm wrong, that it will be easy for them to sell 5,000 seats in England. I just think Bucks and Omega haven't been over there in a while. It's got a lot of buzz and mm-hmm. suddenly it's coming over there, you know, and that's the, that's a scene that I think uh, loves when American or Japan, you know, when uh, companies from elsewhere come there, I think that means a lot to the wrestling scene there. And I think they'll easily fill that place. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, especially now with how WWE has tried with NXT UK and NXT UK hasn't had shows the size of this. So this is like another, that's like another thing here. So it's interesting. Like we'll see. I mean, with a scene that is in such a formulative state, that's kind of been taken out the knees by WWE already like trying to put your flag in over there. It's a smart move at least to give wrestlers over there more options because for the longest time, it was all independent, all independent. And now it's pretty much WWE trying to edge everyone out by co-opting. So it's encouraging, at least from like a worker standpoint. Now they're, if you're a European wrestler, you have another option other than going straight to WWE. So. Well, one star that we know will not be working AEW in the near future is Kota Ibushi. He returned on the most recent New Japan show and stated that uh, he was back. I think the reports are that he signed a two-year deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it looks like uh, he will not be in AEW maybe ever. There, He did, he cut a little promo about, you know, he wasn't really thinking about uh, Kenny Omega anymore. So, you know, they kind of paid off that storyline a little bit. Uh, obviously, there's still things open for Kenny to go back to New Japan. Uh, he's been very clear about that. And, you know, not in the same way he was there before, but he might still work some dates there. But I, I got the sense that Kota coming to AEW is just not a thing. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it sounds like at least for the next two years, it's a non-factor. Yeah. And with how things seem to be frosty between AEW and New Japan, I just can't see it happening. And for a company like New Japan, finally having a full-time contract from Kota Ibushi is something that they've been trying to do for a while. So, yeah. yeah. You can, this is not a New Japan podcast, but uh, you can expect, I would imagine, a huge push mm-hmm. for Ibushi coming up real soon. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, the only other little bit of news that we've had this week is that AEW will be part of Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea, as he says, part D. Uh. I, I know. <laughs> I listened to, I didn't, I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but Tony Khan is on Jericho's podcast and I uh, wanted to check that out. And they were deep into talking about tape trading when I had to stop listening to it. So, uh, but the most interesting thing that I heard so far in that podcast was Tony. Jericho was asking, well, why did you want to get into this? And Tony Khan goes through like, well, look, not only was there all this talent available, but this is a great time for wrestling because advertisers are starting to be warmer on wrestling and, you know, starting to realize that the fans aren't kind of how they had stereotyped the fans in the past. But then he also said, and there is major television money available. Yeah, that's something that I know that, Aaron, I've talked about to you a lot and I've talked to about people who talk to me about this. Right now, seeing what happened with WWE's money, seeing that UFC managed to get from get an, a step up considering how bad their ratings are, this is like the time to do something like this. And the fact that Tony, at least from appearances and how he's presenting himself, is someone who is not a uh, I'm trying to think the best way to say it. saying that he is knowledgeable. He he is not unknowledgeable about the product. Like it makes sense from like a business standpoint to do this. And then being able to have these five shows already laid out, that's incredibly attractive to TV networks, showing that you already have a path of, you already have past success. And even more so than saying, Oh, being the elite gets so many views each each video. Oh, we had this one show. Now that they have this and presenting this to a TV network and Rumor was they were talking to people at TV networks when they were in Atlanta as well. There's a lot of encouraging things, and it makes sense that Tony, that the, that the cons would see this as a pretty good business opportunity. 
I would like to know, I need to go and listen to this now because I'm interested to hear what Tony Khan traded for, especially like in the late 90s, early 2000s, because I could see him being like a big, like super J-Cup guy, but I'm also kind of interested to see if he like suddenly got a whole bunch of FMW, like Onita cage matches, exploding cages, because <laughs> I think that'd be really cool. But uh, so they're going to be on the cruise. Aaron, is there any way you would go to a wrestling cruise? There is no, there is okay. not a single chance on earth. You, you can, I wouldn't be caught dead. I don't trust oh. the ocean to begin with. Being on a cruise ship with like wrestling matches just seems like miserable a little bit. I, I need my space. And if my space is going to be in a stateroom on a cruise ship, I'm going to be going out of my mind, dude. So yeah, I don't want to be that close to people. Yeah. And unable to get away from them. I mean, oh, as I said in uh, in a group chat, the other day, uh, I, I can't stand most humans and most normal human behavior. So <laughs> just it would be really hard for me. Yeah. And I know that people went on that. I mean, it's a smart branding opportunity. As much hate the word branding opportunity, it's a smart branding opportunity for AEW yeah. to do this. It's just one of those things that maybe we'll find someone who goes on the, the, the Jericho's Rock and Rager at Sea Part 2. God, I hate that name so much. Maybe we'll get someone else on there. I think we could talk Nate into doing it. I think we could talk Nate into going on the cruise. Look, uh, if you are going on the cruise, if you're planning on going on the cruise, get in touch with us. We absolutely. are going to pick one person who goes on this cruise to come on the show and talk about it. So, You'll be our official cruise correspondent. Yes. So please contact us and let's uh, make sure we can do a bit on the show. The last thing I want to say about Tony Khan on Jericho is that the way he worded it made me think they're going to be on a major television network mm -hmm. and that it's basically done. That was the sense that I got. You know, if they're going to launch in October, we're in February, that's six months away. They have to be at a point to announce something or at least teasing the announcement. So if they don't have a show announced by double or nothing, I'd be stunned just because of they already have deliverables and they've already been negotiating with networks and networks really are looking for sports and, and broadcast things like this. One of the networks that was highly kind of hinted at or rumored was Turner and TBS would love to just have the amount of views that the elite gets for being the elite each week on their nightly television. So the only thing people watch, like if you listen to Dave Meltzer, like the only people that people things watch are live sports, even though this Super Bowl was the lowest rated Super Bowl in a while. So I see why I see Tony's logic about how this being incredibly attractive. So yeah, I think I mean, who am I? I think the TV networks are wrong. I think they're putting way too much money into uh, WWE, especially. Oh, oh, that's a boondoggle. Absolutely yeah. boondoggle. But Tony's right that they can make a shitload of money right now mm -hmm. jumping into television because one of these execs is going to hand them. I mean, they're not going to hand them a billion dollars like they gave WWE, but they're going to give them a bunch of money to be on a, a major network. And especially one that is a net, a wrestling promotion that doesn't have the uh, weights of past bad history like Impact has. Like Impact did dug their grave with how they conduct themselves. They would still be on the Paramount Network right now if that wasn't the case and ring of honor is always going to be free product or free tv material for sinclair so the fact that now there is this new option i don't think that they're going to get anything close to wwe but i wouldn't be surprised if they were i don't know several year deal and approaching nine figures just because what's been announced for sports rights i mean even esports has been getting a crazy amount of money from things and esports I mean, I watch esports, but I don't think anyone above the age of 40 watches a single thing of Overwatch League. So it'll be uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I look forward to seeing how that plays out. But I just get the sense from everybody involved that they've got something big ready. Okay, now we need to get into this week's Being the Elite. Unfortunately, Nate is not here to do this. Uh, I'm not really as uh, skilled a BTE recapper as Nate, but I'm going to try to do my best. Uh, Mike, feel free to jump in wherever you please. So we start the episode with uh, Matt and Nick at the Super Bowl. And Nick has on a Jacksonville Jaguars shirt. And they do a little bit about uh, 
somebody yelling at them, the Jaguars aren't even in this game. you got to take the shirt off. So the, they're forced to remove the Jacksonville Jaguars shirt. Uh, you know, I thought kind of as a as a tip of the cap to uh, WWE forcing some uh, AEW fans to take off their AEW shirts at the sh- at their shows. Oh, totally. That was an, a direct like jab at WWE. And I thought it was kind of funny that there was a bit for a while where they had people who are off screen kind of like be belligerent towards Marty Squirrel and the fact that we kind of got to have those people back. And I think it kind of confirms that the people who were doing it were SCU because it was right in the stands <laughs> right next to them. But yeah, no, it's t- total dick at WWE. All right, then we get uh, Matt and Nick in the airport, in a, you know, going to Atlanta. Uh, Malachi Jackson shows up, so that was exciting. Uh, when they get to Atlanta, they, uh, you know, very purposefully, as always, stand in front of a place, a bagel place called Goldberg's, <laughs> uh, and talk about how they're out scouting talent, you know, uh, which is funny. Of course, they were going to later that night. Um, no, I'm making this up, aren't I? They didn't sign the uh, the Lucha Brothers that night. No, uh, at Macaloon, it was two separate things. They had the uh, they had the Cody Page and NGF thing earlier, and then they had the Bucks come out after the Lucha Brothers match too. So okay, they put them up between the two episodes of being the elite. Oh, that confused me. See, this is why yeah. we need Nate to do this. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need an adult here to hold her hand during this. We do. So. We do. So, they, but they do make the point that well, why are we going to all these shows? Which we've talked about a little bit, but you know, part of it is looking at talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, now that you know we're thinking about this, was part of going to Seattle to think about uh, venues or think about running a show there? I mean, it could be. I know that the Key Center is undergoing renovations this year, so that's the uh, old place where the Sonics used to play. Right. Uh, rest in peace, Seattle SuperSonics. But yeah. there's you know, I, I mean, I guess they could go to the Rose Garden, you know, in Portland, if that's also. I don't know how far of a drive it is, but Nate is, Nate is our, I mean, Mike is our venue correspondent. Apparently, I am. I don't know how <laughs> I've gotten all these hats over five episodes, but apparently, the Swiss Army knife of everything elite so far. What an addition to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then we get uh, Cody and Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky smoking cigars, which. I just think is an obnoxious uh, hobby. Yeah, I I went through a cigar face. I did. <laughs> it definitely was a when you're in your 20s and you're trying to look cool, you smoke cigars. Yeah. And instead, I got sick more because of smoking cigars than anything. <laughs> but hey, they have to get the cross branding in because Cody and Kazarian have a box of or have a brand of cigars that I would never try. No, just, no, no, no. Kazarian uh, starts doing a bit about that he one time had a case of the Snickers. You know, going on with his little uh, food uh, bit that goes on through the episodes. Then we get Christopher Daniels coming out, and he's wearing a mouthpiece, you know, mm-hmm. playing back to the thing about his tooth being chipped. And there is a funny little moment where Cody asks him if he's doing a shooter gimmick. Yeah, I dug that. That was funny. And then uh, says, oh, yeah, we could see you in the, uh, the little MMA shorts, the shooter CD, which I thought that was very funny. And so I guess, I don't, well, is this news? I don't know. But there's a little comment here where I think Kazarian says, have you not gotten your teeth fixed yet? You're on an $850,000 downside. Exactly. Do we really think that uh, Christopher Daniels is getting paid eight hundred and fifty grand a year? I mean, they've obviously pushed the fact that most of them have no concept of money. So maybe sure. that could be part of it. But yeah, no, I, I, I was waiting for them to make the health insurance crack, to be quite honest. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, Cody did offer Darby a million dollars on the mm-hmm. last episode. So maybe that's the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that this guy's getting paid that. But then you hear what Dave Meltzer reported, which was that there are guys you've never heard of who are making six figures. <laughs> hey, if that's going to be writing the pay scale in the wrestle industry, good for them. Get get the money. I feel like the, the established like position on of everything elite is hey get that money. I, Absolutely. If you're someone who's done like two months of shows and you're getting a a six figure contract from a company now, take it. Just take it. Yeah, and I'm not one to be like, but they're businessmen. But do you really think you know? There's a lot of talk now that oh the the AEW is oversigning. They're paying too much money. Do we really think that's the cons are going to jump into this and then just like empty their 
pocketbook and then uh, they're just going to go out of business? Like, no. Yeah. I mean, I get that in the NFL, they have a salary cap, you know, so they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're a little uh, uh, restricted on money they can spend. But I'm going to have to see a lot more evidence before I start thinking that they are uh, bankrupting themselves in this venture. Yeah. I mean, they're still three times, they're still three times as wealthy as Vince McMahon. So until I see them building a, an arena in Jacksonville explicitly for <laughs> AEW, I'm not going to be questioning this because six figures to us is a big deal, but six figures to like Shad and Tony Khan is a rookie contract. Like it's, right. it makes sense that, that, that they're like, oh yeah, six figures for this guy. That sounds right. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, even if you thought all these people were making a ton of money, we're talking about something in the low tens of millions of dollars on talent and maybe 10 million dollars right on talent these guys have billions of dollars oh absolutely and when you look at the uh, revenue split at least for wwe it was so far weighted towards the mcmahon family that you had to go back to wcw days when turner was signing the contracts that everyone thought was ridiculous to see like any sort of revenue pay scale that was even close to what might be happening here so yeah we think like 11 12 million dollars for payroll might seem insane but is it really that insane right I mean, in comparison to professional sports i mean most professional leagues have either 47 to 51 percent towards the players so it's if anything we're starting to get this and this is good for the overall wrestling industry because now these guys can say what happens if all elite just burns out and three years they can go into Vince McMahon and say hey no I was paid this by the cons and now you know they're gonna be forced to have to make decisions I mean there's already the talk about them doubling contracts uh, in person immediately so hey if if Christopher Daniels is getting eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars good for him you know yeah I mean I would not personally pay Christopher Daniels eight hundred fifty thousand dollars but if they offered it to him um then he should take it. He should sign the contract and and take all their money. Uh, Okay. Then we get some footage from the McAloon show. The, I'm not going to, you know, go through the whole angle. Basically they come out to save Joey Ryan, which we're going to talk about a little more. Um, The funny thing about this to me was that it continues with MJF being a dick when Cody isn't looking and then acting like he's buddies with whomever when Cody looks again. So he has this little interaction with Adam page where he's like uh, flipping him off. And then Paige puts his hands around MJF's throat. And then as soon as Cody turns around, uh, MJF hugs Adam Page. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. I'm not a huge MJF fan, but this uh, bit has has regularly cracked me up on the show. Oh, like his wrestling style isn't my style whatsoever. I'm someone that was jumping out of my seat, my seat in my living room over Pac versus KZ earlier this week. That's my kind of wrestling. But for character work? MJF is incredible at this. And the fact that he had the timing down between between him and Paige and doing this, I thought was hilarious. Like MJF being a dick has been like one of the underlying like storylines through early all elite wrestling that might be my favorite thing going on promotion. More so even more than Adam Page needs to get into even more ridiculously good shape. <laughs> all right. And then uh, I don't know, Mike, you've made this note about a weird zoom in on Joey Ryan. So I'm going to leave that to you. Yeah, as the production nerd, this is the things that I kind of noticed. There was a moment in this where I don't know who was on the camera for this. Like, usually it's one of the Bucks, but of course the Bucks weren't out there. Maybe it was Malachi, because since Malachi Jackson made an appearance earlier, I guess he was their cameraman, at least for some of this. But there was a Zoom, like, during, like, the, the attack and the beatdown that they, when Cody comes in and, and they all do all the things. It, where they had a zoom where Joey Ryan was leaning up against the bottom turnbuckle, and they just kind of did like a zoom in on him where he looked really despondent for a second. And I feel like that paid off later when we get into the the larger Joey Ryan segment. But I thought that was kind of a nice tease if that was intentional. So, and then we get another uh, another bit in the Joey Janela trying things angle. <laughs> uh, this time he is going to try to be a farmer, and uh, shockingly, it ends with him setting himself on fire again. Um, I don't know. I've, I've kind of, I've grown tired of these. Maybe I'm uh, the only one, but it's like, I don't know. I just don't care about this. I, I, I think the image of Joe, of Joey Janela being a blind farmer was kind of funny for like a moment. And then I was like, Oh, Hey, there's a llama there. That's a cool llama. 
<laughs> I, I, I like llamas. So I was like, okay. But when they put him into the uh, plow and he set himself fire on plow, I was like, okay, I'm back aboard now because he somehow managed to like have, he managed to light flash paper with both of his eyes, I assume, being completely covered or him being worked and he was able to see <laughs> out of it. I enjoyed that part of it. You're getting so, worked, bro. Uh, I, I assume like everything that happens on BTE is at work and I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> I just thought that we haven't seen Penelope Ford since the first AEW presser. We haven't, no. And she was rumored to be under, if not under WWE contract, but she did a tryout and it seemed like that they were close in signing her or there was like, there was indication that that might be going that way. Yeah, that was all going on. And then she shows up at the AEW presser and they talked about her on social media like she was signed. And then we haven't seen her on BTE. She wasn't in, in Vegas. I mean, we haven't even heard mention of her since then. Yeah, um, I wonder. It's it's interesting because even for people like MJF who weren't at the presser, he was still there doing things. And Britt Baker, they followed up with her with the road to double or nothing. And there's been nothing about Penelope Ford. Maybe we need to do like an SOS for where's Penelope Ford. I was just thinking about this. And so now I'm going to do this on the air. So that'll be exciting. But mm -hmm. I know Brandy did a tweet recently where she kind of listed everyone who's in the, the women's division. Right. And now I'm trying to go back and remember whether she, uh, whether she listed Penelope in there. Uh, but of course, oh yeah, okay. So I just found this tweet and she says, it's a picture of her from uh, the Vegas presser. And she writes, Sunny Kiss, Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, Penelope Ford. Give us time and we'll surprise you. Yeah, and I heard that she was the person re responsible for signing Sunny Kiss before. So it makes sense that like part of her branding thing is like she went and she was pursuing him. So it's interesting that Penelope Ford is still assumingly a part of it. I mean, at the same time, we've seen nothing about Jungle Boy other than that road to double or nothing. So. That's true. And we only saw the one thing about Jimmy Havoc. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's smart. They they really don't want to, and this would suck for some of the talent, but you almost don't want everybody to be on this double or nothing show because right. you got a show the next month that you need to have something fresh on. Right. Mm -hmm. you, so, you have to be building the things and keeping things fresh. Right. So we'll see. All right. The next bit, we go off on a lot more tangents than Nate does. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get uh, the bucks, Cody and Joey Ryan in, uh, I believe, you know, a living room uh, somewhere. And uh, the bucks are talking about, you know, we always have to show up and save you. Uh, they're doing the bit about I'm the executive vice president and this is getting expensive coming out mm -hmm. to uh, flying out to protect you. And then there's a little note uh, where they say, where's that blonde tag team partner that used to bail you out? <laughs> yeah, that was great. I, I like that kind of throwback seeing that the Bucks and Joey and of course they're talking about Candice LeRae have such a history with each other in PWG. Like I thought that was a nice little wink nudge for that. A lot of people thought this was like suggesting that Candace was going to AEW, but I didn't really, I just can't imagine that happening. That, that just sounds like Twitter talk since I think she's going on the road on one of the WWE tours next week. So I mean, Gargano is obviously a, a pretty big star in that company mm -hmm. and Candace has gotten pushed pretty well. I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see her as having any interest in leaving WWE at this point. Uh, Joey says, Okay, okay, look, I'll try to defend myself better in the future. I'm gonna get better at that. They say, okay, they start to they walk out, and then the cameraman beats up Joey Ryan, which I really loved. A great payoff. Great payoff. And it was like the most gingerly beat beat up ever <laughs> with like him with the cam or them with the camera in their hands and trying to kick them as I'm as I'm trying to kick the, the seat underneath me. It was great though. And I, I did also love the fact that they were talking about oh, it's getting expensive, and then immediately Matt Jackson talked about the corporate card. I appreciated that. <laughs> you got to get the miles. I mean, maybe that's what they're doing. They're trying to get more miles and get upgrades. That's possible. It's very hey. possible. All right. Uh, the rest of the show, we get some footage from the Super Bowl. Uh, there is an SCU bit. Yeah. At the end, when the Rams lost, they did the, oh, Atlanta is the worst town in the world. Right. Bit, which was, which oh. I thought, I thought was a nice way to pay off and made me feel a little better about the Rams losing. That also yeah. was the most footage I've seen about this past Super Bowl. So I was like, oh, yeah. So that's how the stadium looked like during it. Okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah, they did a big thing of like them during the uh, halftime show. Like there was a lot of footage from that. They got down to some Maroon 5. Oh, they, yeah. That, that makes me question things, to be honest. Well, you know, 
let's we'll try to ignore that from now on or for now but for now. if it starts going poorly i'll be like remember they were dancing in maroon five we should have known we should have known they're dancing maroon five and not putting out more outrage so they didn't have more atlanta-based musicians on that show so yeah true we get a sec this was the big news at the time this is the problem with you know coming out uh few days later is that hangman unveiled the seat map for the first time so that was cool uh to watch that when the when the show first dropped uh you get stuff like that that's why they dropped this on sunday night mm -hmm. as opposed to monday like they normally do and then we got uh just kind of a recap of jericho and omega's interactions from the vegas presser so that was being the elite yeah and i thought it was nice that they had hangman just show up and do that i mean he he really like if anything that all elite wrestling has done, it has baby faced Adam Page to me to a level that I did not expect. Cause he just came off as charming, was like, hey, Adam, can you talk about the seat map? And, and he's kind of came off as like really affable. And I was like, okay. But yeah, like it made sense why they had this out on Sunday if the pre sale was on Monday. And then the Jericho versus Omega stuff, I guess they felt like they needed to have another thing from the press conference. So yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so that was, that was this week's being the elite. Uh, and I think that's this week's Everything Elite. I mean, I don't really have much else to uh, cover, Mike. Anything else from you? You know, uh, the only thing I'll plug is if you're looking to see how Pac's been outside of WWE and get the idea of how Pac is now, check out Pac versus KZ from Dragon Gate. He actually retained the title, which was something that I was wondering about when we were doing last week's episode. I think I made mention about they didn't make any mention of the Dreamgate title or him being a champion, and he retained. So there's more of a chance now that he's going to go to double or nothing as Dreamgate champion. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, that's about it. I guess when Nate's not around, we actually run a little short, but yeah. <laughs> I like how you said, Hey, everybody watch this match. Here's the finish. <laughs> I mean, it's been out there since, Hey, my idea was the match was on the 10th and it is your job to stay unspoiled. Everyone knows I'm the dragon system person on the show. Yeah, of course, if you don't want to be spoiled on the Dragon Gate main event, <laughs> don't listen to the show about All Elite Wrestling. That tracks. Hey, that. you know, I've already talked at length about the show. So in my mind, I've already spoiled it. So that's on them. Sure. Uh, we, we did some retweets right after the presser of matches, uh, recommended matches from Yuka Sakazaki. So if you're not familiar with Yuka, that's a good place to start. There's a possibility, you know, as there's like... Uh, Although it turns out every week, I think, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then a bunch of news comes out. I mean, yeah. we've had some friends like make jokes about how do you do a weekly promotion or a weekly podcast about a promotion that doesn't exist. It's like, well, there's there's always something to talk about. Yeah. And we, we have about an hour, hour 15 each time. And there's usually a bunch of news to talk about. It's been they've been really smart about this. And, you, you know, I've. Maybe like in the future, we'll, we'll watch some of these matches and get each other kind of uh, all up to speed on this as we're going to get closer and closer to the show. I always wonder if we're going to get like some some moment where there's just no news. But as you just said, we constantly have more news to come out and they've been really smart about having a constant trickle of things to come out each week. Yeah. So if there is a week where there's not much to talk about, we are hoping to talk about uh, some Yuka Sakazaki matches and, and just other talent that you might not be as familiar with that we can kind of give you a primer on, or hopefully we can, you know, post in the week, like these are the matches we're going to talk about. You can check them out and then we'll talk about them and that could be fun. So we'll yeah. see if we can do something like that. Yeah. I want to check out Nyla Rose. I mean, she was someone yeah. that I completely was unfamiliar with until the press conference. And then I found out, Oh no, she actually has had a pretty good Joshi career so far. So I'm hoping one week we could kind of get into all this. I'm, I'm stoked about that. Yeah. That'll rule. Um, I guess that's it. So make sure you're subscribing to the show. Uh, make sure you're either subscribing to just our feed or to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network feed. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. We do a lot. At this point, we're mostly like retweeting news and, mm -hmm. and rumors so that you can kind of, it's, it's a great feed to make sure you're on top of what's going on with the promotion. Anything that's happening in the discourse or news or rumors, we got it there. I think as the promotion becomes more about, you know, wrestling, uh, there'll probably be more takes and whatnot on the feed. But for now, we're just kind of keeping everybody abreast of what's going on. So it's it's a good account to follow. You can follow me at Aaron like the car and you can follow Mike at Fujiheya. That's F-U-J-I-I-H-E-Y-A. 
maybe Nate will come back next week and then we'll tell you about his Twitter account. <laughs> uh, but until then, I'm just I'm just not going to. Hey, and Aaron Taub's on assignment. That's right. We'll, we'll see when he we'll see when he comes back from assignment. But for now, he's on assignment. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for Mike. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.